Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. Welcome back to our study of the gospel according to Matthew. Today we'll be in Matthew chapter 4 and we'll look at verses 18 through 25. In our last session, we talked about how the Lord Jesus decides to start his quote-unquote earthly ministry uh, in Capernaum, in Galilee. He avoids the area of John the Baptist. He doesn't follow his example in having a ministry in the wilderness. Uh, He doesn't go down to where all the big wigs are and Jerusalem and focus on the temple. Instead, he goes north to Galilee, which is a a place near the Gentiles. It's a place by the Sea of Galilee, uh, where there are a lot of other fishermen and I guess what you could call more uh, regular everyday folk. Now, one of the first things that Jesus does, according to Matthew's telling of the story, is find people to help him in his work. Uh, So what we'll find in this section is uh, two major sections. In verses 18 through 22, uh, he will call people to help him fish. And then in 23 through 25, we'll get just a brief overview of what that actually looks like, what the actual act of fishing for people looks like. So let's start beginning in uh, 418. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. It is no uh, accident that the first person whom Jesus calls is Peter. All the way throughout Matthew, we will see Peter has kind of a ha- uh, kind of a place of primacy. Um, and yet, for all of the importance of the name of Peter, there's no story here about uh, Jesus giving Peter a name. Instead, he is there with Simon, his brother, and they were, well, just fishermen. Now, it's important for us to think about what kind of an occupation this was. If you think about a fisherman today, I don't know if you know anybody who's a fisherman, but um, we might think of somebody who's kind of a blue-collar worker, uh, an everyday sorts of guy. But in Bible times, they certainly weren't in the upper class. They weren't exceptionally wealthy, but this was a good job. Uh, They weren't one of the poverty-stricken people. Uh, This was a well-paying occupation, uh, especially when we think about people like James and John. Their father evidently owns the business. Um, 
this is a, a family work. So when Jesus calls them to leave this work, um, it, we shouldn't have the mindset, well, well, they were just fishermen. They weren't really doing much anyway. This was kind of a crummy job that they had. No, they are leaving behind a decent amount of income and financial stability in order to follow the Lord Jesus. And in fact, uh, we can think of what Peter says in uh, chapter 19, Lord, we've left everything in order to follow you. So the command that Jesus gives for them to follow him uh, is really a bold one, one that involves incredible uh, sacrifice. Now, it is interesting to think about exactly what's going on here um, because the way Matthew's story is told, uh, Jesus just arrives on the scene. We've not been introduced to these characters ever before, and it seems like the very first thing that he says to them is, stop what you're doing and follow me. Now, on the one hand, we could compare this with uh, other gospel accounts, particularly John, and uh, we could think about uh, there are other times in which these characters would have met Jesus, interacted with him, perhaps uh, pondered long and hard, many sleepless nights about whether or not they should make the commitment of becoming one of Jesus' disciples. Now, that very well may have all happened, and it probably did, and yet we need to respect the fact that that's not the way that Matthew tells his story. The way that Matthew tells the story is that it is sudden. It is unexpected. It is kind of just out there. Uh, Jesus just says, stop what you're doing and follow me. And this is, this is the upshot of all this. Uh, the correct response is to simply stop what you're doing and obey the Lord Jesus. And that's exactly what these people do. They are prototypical disciples. In, in contrast to other people that we'll find out about later on in the study, people who say, well, maybe let me go back and deal with my father or let me go do something else. No, the correct response to the call of discipleship is to stop what you're doing and obey uh, that call. It is a call of sacrifice. It is a call of uh, leaving your family. It is a serious and urgent call. Notice also that it is a call to follow the Lord Jesus. Um, the uh, One of the scholars who has devoted a lot of attention to discipleship and what that actually looked like, particularly in the Gospel of Matthew, is Michael Wilkins. And he has uh, a good discussion of it in his commentary, which uh, is worth citing at length. He says, quote, But as Jesus' ministry unfolds, he establishes a form of discipleship that is unlike that of the rabbis. The normal pattern in Israel was for a prospective disciple to approach a rabbi and ask to study with him. Later rabbinic disciples followed their master around, often imitating the great master's teaching of Torah. He then says later, at the inauguration of his kingdom mission, Jesus establishes a new pattern because he is the one who takes the initiative to seek out and call these brothers to enter into a permanent relationship with him. Even though it is probable that Jesus' disciples memorized much of his teaching and passed it on as the tradition of the church, they were ultimately committed to his person, not just his teaching. The goal of a Jewish disciple was someday to become a master or rabbi himself and to have his own disciples. But Jesus' disciples were always to remain disciples of their master and teacher, Jesus, and to follow him only. And this had long-reaching implications. Discipleship to Jesus was going to be different from what many might have anticipated. It was not going to simply be an apprenticeship program. Disciples Discipleship was a life that began in relationship with the master and moved into all areas 
of their experience. This is the beginning of kingdom life, end quote. And now I read that long excerpt from Wilkins about the nature of discipleship because this is the call that Jesus gives again uh, to several other people. This is the call that uh, the church is supposed to have at the end in the Great Commission to make disciples. It is not so much that people would imitate us, but that they would follow the Lord. Notice very carefully that this is a call of sacrifice, but it is also a call to mission. Uh, It is not simply to be transformed ourselves, to become better people just for our own sake. No, it is to join Jesus on his kingdom mission. That's what discipleship is about. Now, notice that the way that this is explained is by they won't catch fish, they instead will catch people. Now, there is an Old Testament background that has been suggested here in Jeremiah 16, 16, and Matthew will also use the idea of of a a fisherman's net in a negative way, uh, as that is, you are being caught for judgment, but that doesn't seem to be the idea here. Instead, we have Uh, what fishing for people actually looks like uh, fleshed out for us in the next section. They go around and Jesus teaches, he preaches, and he heals. That's the kind of fishing that Jesus has in mind. It, It is informing people about the message of the gospel and also meeting their practical needs. We are thus introduced into a really important subject here, and that is the nature of discipleship. I like the uh, way John Nolan puts it, quote, It looks as if the only discipleship Matthew recognizes is a discipleship in mission, end quote. Now, this idea of missional discipleship can also be seen when we consider something of the structure of the Gospel of Matthew, and this would be a convenient time to talk about that. Uh, notice that we have this summary statement about um, of Jesus' early ministry, about him going around to all this area, healing all sicknesses and all diseases among all the people. This is very similar to what we read at the end of the next section, at the end of chapter 9, starting in verse 35, which reads as follows. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then in chapter 10, we have what's often called the mission discourse. The twelve apostles are named and sent out. So notice that in 935, we have something very similar to what we just read in 423. This is what um, exegetes call an inclusio. This is a bookend device in which you state something and then you repeat it verbatim or almost verbatim, and this kind of frames the whole thing. It lets you know when to stop, when to start, and when to stop. Uh, a summary statement of Jesus's work. But I also read more than that to show how uh, Jesus, after 935, then sends out his Uh, disciples to then go out on a mission. So notice that um, the pattern then, what we have is uh, the four fishermen are called as uh, fishers of men. Then we have a summary statement of Jesus's teaching. 
uh, and his, his ministry in Galilee. We then have the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 to 7. We will then have in chapters 8 to 10 a record not only of his preaching and teaching, but then also of his miraculous works and some exemplary cases then. And then Matthew will close everything for us with a summary statement of his teaching in 935. But then he then will swing back uh, to then talk about the sending, not here only of the four, but also of the twelve. At the beginning, they're described as fishermen, and at the end, in chapter 10, they're described as shepherds. So this kind of uh, framing device is important because it zeroes in on the ministry, both of preaching, teaching, and also of healing and works of compassion of the Lord Jesus, but the whole thing is framed at the beginning and at the end of how the disciples also are to be involved in this same task. So we have some major characters. Obviously, there's Jesus here. Then there's also the disciples who are to be on mission with the Lord Jesus. But the third character that's worth uh, pausing and talking about just for a moment is uh, this group called the crowds or the multitudes. Uh, These people in the Gospel of Matthew... um, they're, they're interested in Jesus. They follow him, like we read in verse 25, but they don't follow him in the same way that the disciples follow him. They follow him as in they are interested, they want to know more, but they're always sort of uh, committal. They're not quite fully committed to his teaching. Uh, they're easily swayed one way or the other. Sometimes they're with Jesus, sometimes they're against Jesus. And in fact, as we continue to read throughout the Gospel of Matthew, we'll find that the whole thing comes to a head and the another uh, category, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, are able to convince this group, the crowds, to turn against Jesus. Remember that Jesus is focusing his ministry in Galilee. He was working in Capernaum in particular, but now he's circling out a little bit. And yet there are these crowds that are gathering. He is drawing them like a magnet from Gentile areas like Decapolis and also from the uh, more religious areas of Jerusalem and Judea. And yet he has a Galilean ministry. It's the disciples' great privilege to be involved in this work. We should just pause for a moment and imagine the excitement of being called to actually work alongside of Jesus as he is doing so much and his fame is growing. But you know what? That same excitement, in a sense, should still be ours. We need to lift up our heads, look around, and see what God is already doing. He is still at work today doing incredible things. Our, our job isn't so much to go out and, quote-unquote, start a ministry, uh, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew didn't say, I want to start a ministry. No, God called them, and their response was to simply join in what Jesus is already doing. May we also look around and see what God is doing in the world today and join him in being fishers for people. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.